Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe, the podcast series for beginner web developers and general web enthusiasts. Now, introducing your show hosts, Michael Budd, Fraser Hart, Lewis Keynes, and Ed Mann. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Three Devs and a Maybe. We said last time that it was our Christmas special, and now we're recording one on Christmas Eve. Although, I don't know when it'll actually get released. Because so, we're lying. We're liars. We're liars. The audience knows that we are saying. liars. <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, this is kind of our second Christmas special, I guess. So uh, uh, with me today is Ed Mann, as you may Hello. as well have already noticed. Oh. But yeah. Oh, Sorry. Hi. No, hi. Hello. How you doing? <laughs> um, but we haven't got Fraser or Lou. We thought we'd just get a, a sneaky one in. And uh, I know those guys are pretty busy over the Christmas period. So uh, yeah. Uh, but we thought we'd have a little episode on uh, a reflection of what we've done over the year, and also Ed had an exciting topic. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to say what it is? Did I have a exciting topic? I can't remember. Uh, Only joking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just to say that this must be the first. You are using a phone, a mobile phone, yeah, uh, with Skype. I'm assuming because yes. obviously we're talking. Uh, and yeah, you recording through that. Well, not recording, but through that. And it sounds pretty good. The audio does. So is okay. Yeah. yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, I should explain. I mean, very for you know people who listen, I've basically now moved in with my parents, which is fun. And uh, so my MacBook is currently being used to for the Christmas sale shopping by my wife. Because she uh, has the pants in this relationship. She, she does indeed. And uh, like any my, good relationship, <laughs> they have pants on. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, my iMac is boxed away. Uh, will you be taking out your iMac, or do you reckon that'll be in storage for the foreseeable um, future? I am gonna get it out. Yeah, because that's the thing. Oh, because yeah. because that's yeah. the thing, actually, isn't it? Because you're going to be working from home, or you're going to try and get in the office as much as possible yeah, to get I'll away. Probably be in the office. Yeah. yeah, pretty much every day. But uh, yeah, I am going to uh, unbox it at some point. So, uh, but yeah, for today on the phone. On the phone, it first. sounds really good. And you're in bed after a nice night out with uh, the Herm yeah. Baylot. That was regrettable. Regret. <laughs> well, not <laughs> not them, too. but the. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we were drinking ale, and I'm not really an ale drinker. Did it? Um, did it agree with you, or not so much? No. Oh dear. So, are you a little bit kind of ropey today? Uh, I'm not too bad, but yeah, it could be better. Yeah, could be better. Oh dear. Yeah. There's me. Wake up early in the morning. My first day off from you know off work, yeah. and I'm just like, yeah, power, power through it. Get as much done in the day as possible. So, how was the like build up to like? time off over christmas because it's usually quite stressful isn't it you've um, got to get stuff out yeah so it was weird actually because we we kind of well on our way with the swift application mobile application and because that's not really an emphasis because january for us is a big time of the year right a lot of tradesmen coming at that time uh we we should be getting and we are really heating up for that our customer service team is we're building up that customer service team to be able to cater for the amount of tradesmen we're predicting to come through and wow. stuff like that so it's going to be a really 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 busy time and we even if uh if it seems like if it gets too busy we may even be bitten on the phones so the development team may be on the phone so i may actually wow. have to be trying to talk to people offering them food obviously is what i do <laughs> over the phone it'd be interesting i'm like yeah i'll send that out to you that lovely lobster so we'll see how that goes but um yeah so it's been it's been okay i mean we yes yeah, so we kind of uh toned down on the app um and we haven't done that for about a month now and it was a lot of where we've got we've got uh like a Jeff, who's our kind of like project manager, kind of like he liaises with uh, like what projects we need to get on with and stuff and what how prioritize what we actually need to get done. 
and he was talking a lot to the customer service team and working with them throughout a couple of days almost a week being able to actually get a feel for how they use the system the admin back end and things that we could tweak to make things more effective and stuff like that so really interesting like insight into how they use the system yeah Um, and yeah so then brought that back to us and then we've been able to kind of work on these couple of tweaks and everything to get them done it's funny how some of the simplest things that you can do will make the, the biggest difference. You know, like adding a button or changing the color of a button yeah. uh, will just make things so much easier. And, and how the user into how they will use it will change as well. And it's very interesting. Um, it's the, probably the first time I've ever actually, and this is what the topic of the day actually is, is, is handling mm. a product and having so much more insight into the product than whereas like in agency work where you're kind of shipping code out you know getting a product doing it and then leaving it this is kind of like something you you kind of look after and it morphs and changes over the years and stuff and you become more kind of with the product and that you're the domain expert in the product and everything so now it's been very interesting how about yourself sir uh um 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 (laughs) you know what i've kind of been planning for the last month kind of what i wanted to get done before uh breaking up christmas and that's actually gone pretty well actually we kind of stuck to um our deadlines and stuff so um i mean for me personally yeah everything was quite neatly wrapped up um so yeah quite lucky in that respect really but it's really cool that like you're saying that you know you guys go into that amount of detail like i think the thing this is the funny thing is that actually that detail is needed um to to kind of yeah get the most out of the product yeah When, when we're building systems ourselves and everything we I think as developers, it's very hard for us to... I, I'm one of the developers who like, I like nice, clean-looking code. And uh, I wouldn't mind yeah. talking today about clean code and stuff like that. And, and you know, making code that's manageable, maintainable, um, and understandable to people who will use it next. But actually, the system as a whole, you know, things to do with the UI, how they're positioned, how things are placed, how information's placed. Mm. Um, oh, thinking of things such as, like, um, should that be, should, like... So we had, like, in a case of a list, one of the things was references. And references, now what happens is any um, tradesmen can post as many references as they want. Yeah. Um, and only two then get approved that was a change whereas before it was like you only could have two you could only post two references now we're expecting a lot of reference a lot of people to post multiple references maybe four or five whereas we were normally expecting them only to have about three in this list and we had some vital information at the bottom of this list but when you when we started thinking about it, we thought hang on a minute this list is going to grow and people we, we looked at ha- what size screens because we have some remote people and they use smaller screens and we're thinking actually this information is going to get hidden outside of the browser view if you're just right. going to that vet page and well actually we need to start rethinking this and moving it around and look at that and stuff so it's really interesting the smallest details that change for us it's thinking oh the back end stuff how that changes but actually it's like well actually this visual change now needs to happen because it's going to cause a knock-on effect to how they actually use the system. Yeah, it's really interesting because obviously I know like uh, you've done agency work with me, you lucky man. And, oh, um, best time of my life. <laughs> but I mean, how many times have you heard someone say, oh, like, oh, the client wants this. It's a stupid idea, but you know what? It's what the client wants, so we need to do it. With you, because it's your product, well, not your product, but the company's product, it's like you don't have that. It's like you probably still have people in the company who want to do something you you might not agree with it but at the end of the day you've got someone who's qualified in that field who can make a a pretty good decision that is Um, yeah that is so true i mean we we have shareholders and stuff and and i think they have an input but 
a right. lot of it is to do with internally what we feel, what the the boss boss feels is the way to go. Yeah. Um, I love product work. I, I do think that for me personally is, is, is it really, whether it's uh, a product that you're working for or a product that you are going to build yourself, mm. I think it's the best way to go because you're going to be far more invested in it. And, and as, as a programmer as well, it, it opens, I've never, as you say, we, we did agency work. It's a completely different mindset you have when yeah. you start. Um, and it's interesting, me and a guy I work with, Kevin, we were talking about this and, and it's the fact that, you know, like building software, his brother, you know, I don't know if you mind telling this, but like his brother, he's saying that his brother is a very good programmer, but he only works for, with it for himself. And right. he only work, he's the only one who does the pro, you know, works on that code. So he's the only one who sees that code. In a team aspect, you have to change your mindset because this code that you're writing, even though you may understand it at this moment in time, even mm. who's to say someone down the line will understand it, and and is it tested correctly? Will will you know things that will will I be able to think? Okay, is it easily for me to be able to you know expand on this, extract it out, you know, break it up into smaller problems if I need to eventually? Um, yeah. And then there's like also like kind of there's no gold silver bullet because. When you abstract with with OO, when, when what you're doing is you're building domains. Really, you're, you're building these small area, like fixated domains of okay, this is an abstraction or, or at the layer of a level that I need, mm. and encapsulate all the logic that you need into that into that abstraction. You know, I think one thing I got confused with OO was I thought it was mod. People say it's modeling the real world, right? And yeah, it's that's, not, yeah, and it's not actually. Because actually, it's modelling the world that you're in for that domain. Yeah, yeah, um, that's correct. Yeah, it's, it's modelling the problem that you're in. You know, I may have a shopping system, uh, and this mm. I think is where domain-driven design comes. In. I may have, like, say, a shopping system. Oh no, wait, wait a shopping centre or something, and I may be modelling one area of the shopping centre in a certain way and another one in a different way. You're not going to model them the same way. You're not going to abstract them out and and you know yeah. make these abstractions in the same way. Mm. Um, I think I'm. I don't know if I'm explaining that at all. Kind of, but yeah, for I'm me, with you. <laughs> for me, it's it's not modelling the real world. It's modelling the problem you're trying to solve. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the you know and and trying to give insight to the user to the person who's going to look at the code next and yourself yeah. self documenting almost the problem that you were solving. Yeah. And that's where I found out that the real beauty of, of uh, object-oriented programming, polymorphism, mm. et cetera, et cetera. So it was, it, yeah, it's been a real eye-opener, um, that kind of thing. So me. one question I've never actually asked you, or maybe I have and I wasn't listening, but uh, you know what I'm like. But what, ha- I mean, what is your actual workflow, like literally from uh, the idea pops up in a shareholder's head to actually getting that out and shipping it what is the workflow in between those two things so we, we get the idea and um we, we get that through a couple of means we either get it through shareholders maybe the boss boss maybe uh, jeff brought it up and we get um also service team people uh, have cards we write a card yeah. for things and we put it on the whiteboard right and what then happens is they prioritize what needs to be done next that's whiteboard. very agile isn't it very, very yeah agile. working out okay these are the things we need to do yeah. Um, and then what we what happens then is we get tasked in checking what we're going to get done. Uh, we have normally we work on a project, a product or project, sorry, specific project, and we have a couple of teams, and we have like our little own little magnets with the different colours. 
So our uncovered right. magnets, and we say, okay, well, I'm going to be working on this today. And we break up the, we, we normally, at the beginning of a product project, I keep getting those two words mixed up. <laughs> beginning of a project, what we normally do is we have like one mate base card saying, this is the problem. And then we break it up into smaller problems. And, you know, we keep breaking it up into the problems that we need, such as, you know, down to just getting, you know, what we need to get done and what we can get done in manageable chunks. And then we say, okay, what I'm going to be doing today. So we've got like work in progress, tasks that we need to get done. And then we've got the to do today. So we've got stuff we'll do today, done and done yesterday. And wow. what the idea then is that we'll do today. So I put my, I put that, I say, okay, oh yeah, I'm going to get on with these two things today. And the nice thing about checking is it also allows you to work with people. Um, so you may be, you know, liaising with a couple of people on that project. Mm. Um, throughout you know because it's there to handling the project as well but also allows you to talk to other people who aren't on the project at that time yeah and then maybe they can help you out maybe they can say oh, actually I, I can help you out with that or you are you can ask questions and stuff like that so they just know it, it's nice because mm. it, it's not like what we used to have where you have task manager where you put in <laughs> how much time you, you did it and stuff like that it's nothing to do with that it's about breaking out the problem and working on the problem you know yeah. however long it takes it's going to take you're going to work on it as hard as you can and mm. you're just going to solve it it's not about okay it took me this long to do this you know it's not yeah. a, it's not a um a history kind of thing about what happened it's more about kind of a, an active this is what i'm doing this is what i did yesterday and stuff like that to kind of see make sure that we're getting progress making sure that we're actually you know things are getting having problems and stuff yeah um, so yeah so once it's in we'll do and then we're going to be doing it then we the idea of and then in a project what we do is we we used to use um, when before I worked there they they started they tr- they started using the Gitflow model, but actually they felt that it wasn't what they wanted to do. So what they do is we have this idea of pull request model really, where right. we create a branch that's a bit of a Git. You create a branch that's your project master branch that then make a pull request request for you know with a description of what you're going to be solving for that whole project. Yeah, and then maybe that then gets broken up into different pull requests, uh, different pull requests that are then merged into that branch, then offic- then eventually merged into master. And the nice thing between that is, then with pull requests and stuff, is that you actually people can comment on your code, they can you know review your code, review changes, and normally what we do before we merge in fully is everyone's had a look at the code and we've had a discussion, maybe even go into the um, into like the meeting room and mm. you know review the code, discuss what the problem was, especially if it's a big project. Um, that, that that works really well with kind of medium-sized projects, yeah. um, small, medium, because you can break away and you still, because you've just got to keep remembering to rebase with master to make sure your changes, you know, work with the latest build. Yeah. Um, but I found that it, it gets, you can be kind of, with some project, with breaking them up into different branches and then kind of going off in your own world it makes it a pain to actually merge back into master, especially with conflicts, but also just kind of keeping, you know, keeping it. So I've been working on this for a couple of weeks and no one's seen any, anything to do with it. Um, There's actually quite, I can't remember what it's called actually, but it was like feature switching or something. And you can actually, the idea that what you can do is you can actually switch on features like in master. Mm. There's like special ways you could actually be working in master with other people, but then people can just say, Oh yeah, this person gets to see the new feature. Right, and then they can break, go down the alley. So instead of having a completely different branch that you work on, so I thought that was quite an interesting way, and I've been reading up on that. Um, yeah. we, we may be thinking about that, but I'm not quite sure if we will do that. But but really, at the moment, yes, it's a pull request model. You comment on the code, you merge it in. We then we then deploy it, and and Jenkins obviously we then run Jenkins builds on it. Normally, what you do is you set up. We all have our own Jenkins build 
um like profile and then we will set up it you know saying okay i'm working on this now i'll put this as the branch and whenever i do a, pu- a push to that branch um it will then run a test the d- d- test suite over it. it takes about 10 15 minutes now which yeah. is good so yeah and and it, it works really well um it's the best say, model i've it ever sounds had pretty perfect actually um I mean, it works really well because being in a product again, because you're able to get the workflow down, mm. you know, you know, you can't, I mean, could you do this for a small project? Let's say you've got a CMS built, you know, CMS system that you need to build for a small client. Now, set it, you know, this kind of workflow of, you know, it may not be, um, you know, the amount of work that I put into, say, a small feature will probably be the whole build of a CMS system. So it kind of goes into, that's where I kind of now have gone from, I don't want to do agency work per se that way, you know, just churning out code. And I can, I can see the value and understand the value in, you know, building quick systems and stuff like that. Um, you know, and, and tools yeah. such as Laravel and stuff that can be used. And I know it can be used bigger and stuff. I understand that. But, you know, these tools that are rapidly build systems and stuff are very good at what they mm. do. But, um, building a product and stuff, you get more of a workflow and you get more invested in it. Yeah. I, I definitely think it's a nicer way to go. I mean, uh, I guess I'm sort of somewhere in the middle. I mean, I, you know, obviously I'm working for an agency, but predominantly my work is on our content management system, which is a, you know, ever changing animal really. And, uh, obviously we're always adding different modules to it and all that kind of stuff. So, that takes up most of my time. But I guess for me, one of the downsides that we've not discussed is you can kind of get bored of working on the same products. <laughs> um, yes, That's... I could understand what you say there. Yeah. Um, and, and, and funnily enough, I haven't. And I, and I, I yeah. can't see it. It's funny that um, because it changes, um, the problem changes. The, the way you solve problem, I think that's a nice thing where I work is we're able to solve things in different ways when we feel we want need to, you know, that the new things come up so we can actually use them. Yeah. It's not the same old way of doing things. Um, also, people's problems do change and you find problems in problems. Um, it's very much kind of, even though you're in this little microcosm of one project or one pro- product now, yeah, the amount of, uh, you know, re- you know, dealing with all these problems, you know, internally inside of that when it becomes big actually is quite interesting. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, for me, I prefer having these fine grain problems in a product yeah. than I do getting the problem of, oh, I get to build someone's a website, a website now. Mm, I think yeah. I enjoy that more, but I think that may be just because of taste. Cause I know that like, uh, Lou loves, you know, building websites and likes doing, dealing with the whole problem, you know, from, uh, you know, like being able to do the back end stuff, do the front end stuff and do the design, et cetera, and all that. And he enjoys that a lot. And I respect him for that because I, I personally, for me, I, I only feel I can cope, concentrate on one thing. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think you're absolutely right. I guess the other thing for me, though, would be like, you know, you say to me uh, that you like to, you know, format your Mac every, what, few months, right? Mm. Every six months, because you like that feeling of going, stripping back to the, the basics and clearing out any junk that's on the system. I guess with a product base, code uh, code base you're going to have code been there for years probably code that's been put in there by developers who've left you've got their code base to deal with you probably unless you've got the most amazing workflow system in the world which sounds like you have actually but it's going to be hard to think well is that code being used is you know do we need to get take that out do we need to improve it 
And if you're doing new sites all the time, you've got that fresh start every time. Do you that, know what I mean? That's it's it. like you, you have the ability to use a product, use it like say, oh, cool, I'll get to use Node.js for this project because, yeah. oh, and it doesn't matter because I'll, I'll, I'll whip it up, I'll release it, and I never have to think about it again. <laughs> well, now, if you, if you say Node.js in like a product, then you're going to hold that for years and years and years. And it's yeah. and I like it because it's a different problem I've had to deal with. Um, mm. You know, there are bits of the product that aren't good, you know, now. You know, the fact that we use... Um, I mean, the, the fact like active records or active records, you know, the pattern um, yeah. is very, very good for smaller sites, quick builds, because it's very expressive in that um, and stuff like Eloquent and stuff like yeah. Proppel and stuff like that. But it doesn't lend itself to big systems where you're trying to decouple things because really you're tying the persistence layer with the actual domain, which yeah. is your project, you know, which it's like, say, products or users, etc. Things like the data mapper model, though, like Doctrine use, is good. But this system we currently have is using Propel because that's what was it was built with years and years ago. But you work your way yeah. around it, kind and of changing that now. Um, right. Yeah, trying to change it, but also you work your way around it. The fact that okay, well, this is what you have to deal with. This is the problem we have, and yeah. that's why I, I, I love it because you find problems in problems. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that's, and that then lends itself actually to I never really understood you know, like TDD, and I never really understood uh, Martin Fowler's work and uh, mm. Uncle Bob's work, Bob Martin's, and then now I'm reading it, and now I'm now understanding and appreciating it, because mm. things like the step-down rule, things like, you know, if you have uh, extracting out functions just because functions are better comments than comments themselves, and redundant comments are a pain in the bum and pointless yeah. <laughs> just if you're using it just for like you know documentation tools but people are just going to read the code and and things like good tests valuable tests not just mocking everything yeah, fragile yeah. tests are worse than not having a test at all because then what you're doing is chain you know when you chain, tweak one thing it breaks the test um I, i've recently ha- I've written a blog post for the my builder uh, tech blog my first three months at my builder and there was a real, and I think I spoke about on the podcast actually is a really good, like, you know, TDD, where did it all go wrong? And I think it was Ian, I can't remember his name, but it's Ian something. Sorry, I forgot his name. I'll put it in the show notes, but you know, he was explaining how, yeah. you know, we didn't intend unit tests to just be at one unit, you know, a segregated one class. It was a unit in the fact of the, the domain itself, the problem itself where, you know, it has maybe a couple, it interacts with a couple of pieces and stuff and you're testing the boundaries, not just the, you know, maybe you will test like this one integral bit, the algorithm or something, Mm. but you're testing these boundaries, not just each individual bit in isolation and having to mock everything because, yeah, you you do see tests which are like just mocking the whole, you know, world and you're like, hang on a minute, all you're doing now is testing the mock works. And it's great you can test the mocking framework, but you hope that the mocking framework's already got tested in itself. So, yeah. really interesting. Like that's one thing I've learned is valuable tests, not testing for yeah. testing sake, but valuable tests and valuable comments. Um, not commenting just everywhere and thinking how can I express this? You know, naming things. Oh my days, naming things is one of the hardest jobs to do, and one of the most valuable yeah. jobs. Um, one of the valuable things as programmers sorely don't do well. Well, it's easy to name something, but to name it in like something that isn't more than 2,000 characters mm-hmm. is more difficult, I guess. That's um, it. Trying to break it down into maybe a couple of words yeah, and finding yeah. the perfect words that solve it for that, you know, the yeah. problem you're trying to solve. Um, that's it. Yeah. It's very, very interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
And it's funny how we actually, you know, spend some time, like sometimes people put in, in code reviews and they will look at a class uh, or something and they'll be like, well, what is this doing? And you explain mm-hmm. it to them. And they'll go, oh, okay, I understand that now. And then you'll spend maybe five minutes trying to think of a better name for it. And then you're like, yeah. actually, that's a better name. And then you go to someone else who hasn't done it, who hasn't looked yeah. at the class yet, and you say, what does this do? And you realize now it's a better name because they understood it exactly, you know, completely you know, off, off bat. So it's amazing. Again, a name can change everything. And I've Do you, um, I mean, do you put any of that information like in uh, like your method signatures and that kind of stuff, little comments at the top? I mean, I'm with you now. Like, I don't like. I I do redundant redundant comments are pointless. But yeah. I think the thing I like is I say comments only use them when people say you failed if you have to use a comment. But I don't believe in that. Mm. I think like you want to make your methods. You want to abstract logic out. So say like you've got a, me- a method, yeah. and you've got a couple of chunks in that method. And, you know, maybe your comment in that method, you know, like this does this, this does this, this, this. Why not just abstract that out into three uh, private methods that have their yeah. own good name? And then people can read it, you know, and they can understand exactly what's going on instead of having right. comments. Yeah. That, don't, you know, that, that method's obviously doing too much. You know, these this need to be split up. Even the single responsibility principle, you know, stands for met those methods. So that adds self-documentation, you know, documenting methods themselves. So... Yeah, and I guess the the other thing from that argument is, say you've got those those three things that are being done in one method. Actually, then when someone goes to write a new method and say then they need something that's already being done in one of your your other methods, but they don't know about it because it's hidden in there. But if you then take them out and you've now got this new method, which is, I don't know, get username or something, then that's so nice, isn't it? Absolutely. when, When you add functionality and you're like, oh, I need this, and you're like, oh, someone's already done it. And you just use something that someone else has already done i mean that's absolutely i mean you know processing power is cheap it doesn't matter that you've made another method it really doesn't if it it, no that's another thing i've I've realized like i'm i love performance and stuff like that but actually the bottleneck is the the developer understanding the code that that's the bottleneck you know you're better off on a slower system and these are the things like domain-driven design that, that kind of do make you abstract more and, you know, make a system a bit more slower, but, you know, in the sense that you're not performing, you know, like C-style code. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if the if the developer understands it and picks it up easier, that actually is, that is the best thing. Yeah, yeah. By the way, you like that little uh, that photo I, I sent you uh, in that computer magazine? Oh, well, yeah. So what was that then? You need to give the audience a bit of context <laughs> uh, for that. That was interesting. So- yeah, so my dad uh, basically found a magazine in the loft, and it was like a teach yourself uh, programming magazine from like I think it was like the seventies or something, and um, yeah, it was pretty pretty spectacular some of the stuff in there. But uh, like one of it was uh, looking at Basic, and uh, I've never looked at Basic before, but actually, like you look at these things now and you think not much has actually changed. <laughs> like uh, at a basic. I've got to stop using the word basic in the wrong context, but the basic, basic basically, <laughs> basic, basically I'm talking about the language basic and um, yeah, you look at the syntax, you know, it's still pretty much kind of like if this and that type syntax, you know what I mean? It's not much has changed really, I guess, but um, when you really strip it down, but yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy to look at some of the, yeah. Uh, the computers that were being advertised in there and like oh, one of them i can't remember how many how much ram was it it was advertising 
it was uh, kilobytes of yeah, RAM, it was wasn't ridiculous. it? it was... Yeah, I hope you've kept that magazine. That is a keeper. Yeah, yeah. For little yeah, Toby, absolutely. when he gets old and becomes a computer genius, yeah, yeah, we'll be able to give it to him. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Sorry, I completely sidetracked. No, no, uh, well, actually, that actually, because I kind of was just thinking about what other things I could actually speak about. And yeah. one of the other ones was, um, I think I'm a very defensive programmer. So you get defensive programming, always checking things before you yeah. use them and stuff like that. But also in the boundaries, on the boundaries themselves, such as like, say, um, okay, so I've got a post method. So yeah. I, I have a couple of methods that are only accessible by you post to them. And you post and it updates or you post, you know, and then... I don't know, logs log something or something like that. But these are methods that should only be used if intentionally by, you know, say a form that you've submitted it from, sorry. Um, and I, I, I typically, what I normally do then is, okay, so if you, if you accidentally go to this link where you par and post it and you haven't provided a valid, URL, you know, valid you know, application ID or something like that, I'll then do a nice flash message and redirect you, you know, to saying, sorry, you don't have access to this route or something. And that actually is adding unnecessary logic because if someone does try and maliciously try and do that, I don't care what you, you know, I don't care. I'm just going to give you a blank screen. Like I'll just throw an exception and then my, my computer, you know, my application <laughs> will handle it with a blank screen. It won't need, you shouldn't give them, you know, like nice methods and stuff. If they're not, if the good case, you know, of them using it doesn't entail them actually, you know, accessing that link that way, yeah, then you shouldn't program for that you shouldn't cater for the people doing it in a bad way. And it was really interesting because I used to be very much kind of like, oh, you know, add it in. But actually that's unnecessary logic that you don't need. That's controversial. That's very controversial. Well, I don't know if it is because it's just like, okay, so in, in that case, what I'll do is I'll throw the exception and then, yeah. you know, my sym- you know, symphony will then handle that with a blanket, you know, production exception mm. thing and I'll log it in my database. And they won't get any nice fancy redirection or anything because they should never have accessed that link that way anyway. <laughs> and then you look at that database, right? And you look at it every day to see what's gone wrong. And you could see and be like, oh, hey, you, you kind of access this like this, you numpty. You know, like people have obviously... So it's interesting, like not, you know, being nice really to these people who are trying to maliciously use your, your program. Um, yes. Yeah. And another thing was, it's kind of like, um, this is kind of like the schema thing, like Little Book of Schema, which is the thing I'm, I'm starting to read, which is really interesting. But so, like having one level if statements, just if this, then do that, if this, then do that, not if else, if else, and then ifs and ifs and ifs. Having yeah, like yeah. These simple kind of, you know. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so what, I, you know, one way of doing it is say like having, keep keeping it as clean and as simple as possible because like say you have like a get status method. Mm. And you could do like, a, you know, if this, then, I'll, you know, maybe you'll have like, um, uh, you know, like a state output equals and then a blank string. Yeah. And you either do a switch statement where you assign that or you'll do like um, an if block, if else block, which you assign it then and then you return at the end. Yeah. The nice way of doing it actually and the more readable way is to just say, okay, without having all this state and stuff, just doing if, you know, status return that and then having an if this return that, you know, and and people can easily, I, I find I can read that easier than doing this assignment and then a return at the end. It's a really uh, small, trying to explain it in a way like cutting out quicker, you know, cutting out short, you know, like say like, okay, returning instead of just assigning a value to then return at the end. See, my lecturer, he preached the exact opposite of that. Really? Yeah, because when it comes to debugging, actually, you know what, if you can just then go to the end of your method and to say, I don't know, whatever you want to do, var dump, print r on whatever you're going to return it's actually a lot easier than then trying to find out where you are in the if loop what's happening 
But then I would I, say, I would say then that his the block that he's doing stuff in is too complex. Really, and he probably should extract that out again. That's where I go. Like, <sighs> you know, method should only be about, in my mind, like ten lines long. Yeah, I think to be fair, in his example, he was saying, you know what, if you do that, and then someone comes in and changes your method, and then they put in an else if statement. And then they put in another return, so you you could end up with a method with like three return yeah, statements. Skipping and out, it's like, that's it. That is it. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is the thing. Like, if there's a weird logic for you skipping out, like you know, like or return if you do that, return if you do that, and people can't see it in the code. But if it's a yeah. really, if it's a small bit, say like ten yeah. lines of code, and you can read it in that in that, have it on your screen all at once. Yeah. I kind of go by that, and this is what I love now about these kind of principles. Is it's very much kind of taste and yeah, experience yeah. and how you feel. You know, and, and that's where I've kind of like gone. I've tried my best to character, like write some blog posts, but I find it very hard to express this type of stuff than I do just like a simple computing algorithm or something. Because taste yeah, in programming yeah. and and how you do it is is dependent on so many factors. You know, coding styles. Um, you know, experience you've had working with people. Who, what do people like? You know that people will want this method here. How they want that? What you want now? Your taste at this time? Because last week you preferred it that way. You yeah. know, you've and you know. Oh, I've read this cool blog post, so I'm going to do it this way now. And then I turn out a week later, I don't like that way that I was doing that blog post because there was a contradicting blog post that I'm now reading, <laughs> and you know things like that. So it's te- you know this kind of yeah more thought pattern, more design, more uh, architectural style thing yeah are so much so different i think another thing is like a, a, a couple of the way that we kind of you know work now so one of the things that uncle bob does is abstracting things out into he calls so interactors or use cases and having use cases that are these pretty much simple classes that just do one thing and you know you yeah. can pass them in the stuff so say like you have a use case that will edit the user and yeah. or update the user or no say like that it will generate the user's uh, username so it, it needs the user repository to get the user out. And yeah. then it will have, like, say, a, a generator, user generator. So you pass those dependencies in. You execute it. What you do is you pass in the ID. The ID will then get the user from that user repository. It will then use the username generator that we've got that we've passed in to generate the username. And then it will set a persist it, you know, store it into the repository. It will, mm. it will use a finder, sorry, to get the user. It will then store it into the repository. And it will do that one thing and do it well. You can then maybe have your, uh, what happen is you'll have your delivery mechanism, which will be, say, like, for this case, that, that could be very abstract. So that could be in the domain. It doesn't matter. You know, it's not implementation specific. It's not, you know, symphony specific or anything like that. It can be yeah. used, like, with a command line. It can be used with any other system. Then you have your delivery mechanism, which in our case would be, say, symphony. And it would be a controller method. And what you do then is you then part, use this interactor, this use case, inside a, inside of a controller inside yeah. of a controller method this logic could have been in that controller method but you're mm. abstracting it out because you don't because having logic in controller methods is a deadly sin um, <laughs> uh, one thing i was very lucky with is i wasn't there when they moved from symphony one to symphony two right and they value they now value the, the pain that you have if you're trying to move from a framework to another framework yeah and the logic you most of their logic was luckily <laughs> in proper models so proper you're able to bring out which you know isn't the greatest but some of their logic was in controllers and right. you lost that logic because once you move to another you know you're using a different controller system you know and stuff like that all that logic's gone yeah. you want to make your delivery system as simple as possible so you can change it as simple as possible yeah yeah um i remember i was a very much a 
fat controller guy uh, and then also a, and a fat model guy then as well and I did it all wrong because I was getting I, I broke it you know like this time not this time last year probably when I was working on that big project I was using Laravel and Eloquent and the active uh, record pattern and it, it 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 gets you into a couple of bad habits where you're like well, where do I put this logic and then you make these GOG classes yeah they just look horrible and you know breaking it up and properly like abstracting yeah. things out now using data mapping and stuff like that Mm. things are much better so i i would recommend like there was there's this uh, good article that i i um that i read which was like the 10 books you should read in the java world right like, very much kind of you know go inside with php really because just architectural books a lot of them were so like clean coders um architectural uh, patterns uh, there's a martin fowler book uh refactoring martin fowler book very valuable very good um, and I, what I do is I put them in the show notes and I highly recommend if you want to just kind of start yeah. thinking about different things and different ways of doing things and, you know, refactoring code, because the idea is we don't all work on greenfield projects. We all, you know, a lot of us work on brownfield projects and there's nothing wrong with working on a brownfield project. You can get your system under test and you can do things the right way. You know, you're going to get areas of the system which aren't going to look nice and aren't going to be perfect, but you are going to get your little areas that are perfect, you know, in the world that you are living in that are perfect. And I think, that's kind of what system for me for testing is is that you know you're testing these in these these areas in isolation you know and this is perfect in this way and then you can you know join them together and it's all about breaking up these problems into into separate problems with boundaries um they call it like the i think it's the adapters plugs and adapters i think it is like you know and having this idea of hexagonal architecture where you know you have these systems that are you know separated from each other and then they interact with basic base interfaces and stuff like that and apis and it's really cool sounds good yeah so the other thing we're going to talk about today as well as product versus agency type work was our uh, look back at both our years really uh, mm. so how do you think you've changed as a programmer this year wow wow um, yours is going to be a lot to do with uh the uh bdd i uh, guess ddd domain during design i mean i I've, yeah. I've touched on that a lot this year um still complete you know finding yeah. my feet with it very much so um for me i've changed a lot in that i think i've become more of a pragmatic programmer which is right. a buzzword meaning you know you've got to get things done you have to ship things and it's yeah. balancing that between perfection which is what we love doing we want to be perfect we want yeah. to make the perfect system but you can never get it shipped if you that's exactly that. it and yeah. also there is no such thing as the best abstraction or the best yeah. design because yeah. that works now but when someone changes the design you know and says oh we want this now your abstraction could have been crap like you know it would have not worked yeah. or you know that you'll have to you know so it's making systems that are able to be changed and the way you do and there was another greg young um i forgot yeah. to put that in the show notes this uh, last week with a uh, podcast we did um about you know deleting deletable code you should be able to yeah. destroy your code best code you can write is something you can delete and rewrite in about an hour or two that's interesting okay because yeah. you're breaking up problems into smaller problems um and i think another thing this year i've kind of seen yeah i've been able through the job being able and working in a product has been able to see more of an architectural software problems than just oh this is a cool framework or this is a cool library or this is a cool algorithm yeah um, i really love doing those things still and i you know like yesterday i was playing around with um the radix um trees and stuff like that and i really enjoy doing that but i also 
value and, and, and like the work that Martin Fowler and Uncle Bob and all these people in other languages, Java language, you know, language and stuff like that, and you know, C sharp and everything, who have put in and and, and you know on big systems. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and enjoy it. I mean, I never thought I would enjoy that kind of corporate kind of work, but actually, it is enjoyable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that's been to be me, kind of yeah, working on that, and also work. I mean, really, kind of t- working with Git more, yeah. more so, um, and and I'm now truly understanding Git, how it works internally, and how you can collaborate with people and stuff like that, and been not being scared like, of it. Now you look back, do you think like? you only knew a little bit of git or did you feel before like you knew you knew git pretty well oh no i i i i thought i knew it well enough to get around yeah um but now it's like being able to actually properly use it um yeah you know like i mean only yesterday though i mean i learned about fix-ups which are so typically what we do is you know we have these project branches and stuff and we'll write very specific commits that's one thing i've learned now is write specific Mm. commits you know with one thing maybe you've changed don't group commits don't group changes into commits saying done stuff yeah (laughs) awful because if you uh, what i do is i do like these break up these commits and everything and i do use a gui for that i love using tower for that because it's so nice being able to easily see what's going on and also staging even staging lines you know so staging this chunk of text and this chunk of text in in a file as a commit and stuff like that yeah and you'll do that and we i mean work that me and caven do we normally get up to about 100 150 commits um a lot of the stuff a lot of the medium projects we do wow we both sit down together and we rebase it and rebase it is that we change the history we, we literally squash commits together we literally say okay these this chunk of work can be done to you know can be said to be done together yeah. and we then get rid of all the history that we don't need into nice logical commits that make sense that we can then push into master and it looks like we've done it perfectly um all that's the really nice and and that's the way to go like you know you can be commit happy with git and, and it doesn't matter uh you yeah, know you yeah. can rebase it afterwards and that's nothing rebase it afterwards with you both together don't do what i I've done a couple <laughs> of times which is rebasing and changing the history and then someone's trying to push up and then you realize yeah we're gonna have to cherry pick these these uh commits you've just done onto another branch because i kind of rewrote your history with shards and yeah so it's it's <laughs> yeah it's been an interesting year with git um <laughs> But I love it, and yeah, it it yeah. really is such a simple idea. And I am in the process of writing that Git um, blog post still, which is the internals of commit Git and how you can use it, like the underlining uh, like methods, like functions and actions that they have to actually create a Git repository without actually using the high level methods, which is quite cool. Well, I personally like you to. Uh come around and give me a, uh, some git lessons at some point a true uh, git lesson that'd be awesome man i'm well up for that yeah. yeah we could uh it'd be a good laugh because i mean you will get it easily it is a very easy system to understand yeah but it's kind of like safe you know you feel if you when you feel safe in it because there's been some times when i've rewrote history and i'm like sugar i've just lost some work i did but yeah. it's not all gone because you can reflog the system, work out what you did, and go back because it's still in your Git. It's immutable. That's a bit of the thing about this functional DAG they use. This you know the key value story is that it is immutable. It, it doesn't change anything from the past. It only adds on to it. So you may, if you do a, a garbage collection or clean GC, which is just cleaning up the dead objects in the object store in, inside of the Git repository. Yeah. Then you will lose your work, but. Yeah, it's it's very hard to lose work in Git. 
forever. That's that's the beauty of it, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, locally you can easily get you can get them back. And there's been a couple of times I'm like, Kevin, what have I done? <laughs> um, and that's been a nice thing about this year. Actually, has been able to kind of have people to kind of go, I don't know what I'm doing, yeah. and getting help. So yeah, that that's been my year yeah. in, in retrospective. Uh, how about you, sir? Ah, good, good question. Um, I guess the thing that really stands out for me is um, a better understanding of Linux and uh, um, all that kind of stuff that we've kind of done in conjunction with computer security. Um, and I mean, before you know, I could work my way around, but I was very guilty of a lot of the time doing sort of copy and paste commands, you know, <laughs> go on Google. Whereas now, it was really cool to obviously uh, have a play around with like um, installing Apache from source and installing PHP and all that kind of stuff that I've never, well, like I say, I've done it before, but I didn't really understand what was going on. So, so not using package managers and actually using yeah. Makefile. Yeah. yeah, you really appreciate that this is how the software is actually made and there is yeah. no voodoo to it. It's yeah. C files that get compiled onto your system and moved around. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. So, um, you know, that's been really cool. I'm really, really happy with that. Um, what else have I learned? I'm sure I have, but uh, in terms of my programming style, I, I guess I've suffered a little bit in certainly with my PHP and everything. I, I just I haven't progressed this year because it's not been um, it's not been my main focus. But then, um, but then that's the I, I kind of you know you say PHP, but then like mm. you've been doing a lot of Java stuff, which comes back to PHP. Really, well, that's a weird thing. I mean, this 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 term I haven't really done much programming, which has been strange, right? For you know a computer science degree, but uh, you know the, the a lot more theory, a lot more math, yeah, a lot math more theory. It. Yeah, exactly. So I haven't really done an awful lot of programming, but uh, uh, obviously next year I'm going to be doing. Uh, computer graphics and animation and there'll be Ooh. a lot of like uh, there's a C++? lot of java there. oh it's java oh open java. GL and stuff like that yeah exactly and looking at um compression algorithms that kind of stuff mm. so it'd be, it'd be good to get back into that um yeah i'm yeah really looking forward to that one to be honest um but otherwise i guess yeah when i look back now i started the year with concurrency and and parallelism that was really interesting and uh uh, and you know certainly i mean for me I, I, that was mainly in java and it's actually well there's a lot of pitfalls there but it's really really fun area to, to play around with um so that was really cool and um and obviously i had intelligent systems and looking at pathfinding algorithms all that yeah kind of a stuff. star and all that cool fun yeah yeah which at the time was oh it was give me a real headache but it was really good, and um, and I've said it like many times on this podcast before. But you know, I definitely feel like I've had stages in my career, or certainly uh, in my learning with programming, in the sense that my first step was to really understand how you make things work, like the language, that you know, the um, uh, all the kind of vanilla stuff. Uh, but then since then, it's kind of been like, well, okay, now I can do this. How do I do it well? How do I actually tidy it up and make it nice and make it readable? All the kind of craftsmanship things that you've been talking about. So, um, yeah, I mean, doing doing this Masters has helped me to make that next step, I think. And I certainly think about things a lot more now. And, um, and like I say, design patterns, all that kind of thing is really kind of been the thing that's really floated my boat this year, I guess. And, I mean, 
from a work perspective, the biggest thing that I've worked on and, and helped change was the um, dependency injection code. And uh, that was really good. Have you seen a lot of benefit with using DI? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, because we've got like, a, we haven't got an ideal workflow, but we've got a different, uh, we've got different flavors of our CMS. And I had to start working on an older version the other day. Uh, which didn't have the dependency injection code, and that was horrible. And it's only when you look back sometimes you realise like how far you've come and how much better your changes have been. So, um, yeah, I I haven't actually you know kind of like benchmarked it to see if what the speed improvements are. It would be interesting to do that, but but certainly from readability and um, and the ease at which you can write new code now. So much better, so much better. So that's been really cool. But uh, like I say, I definitely want to uh, continue with that and look at more design pattern based stuff. And that I think, kind I think that see the funny thing with design patterns is, I think we go through a phase like you you, you learn design patterns and then you want to use them everywhere. And you're like, yeah. oh, I'm going to use a factory here. I'm going to use the strategy pattern here, and I'm going to use you know the flyweight pattern here and stuff like that. But then what you start realizing actually is you come to these patterns on your own anyway. You start yeah. building up code and then you're like, actually, this is starting to look like that. And and then you'll use those the names design these of the these design patterns to again tell other programmers what you're trying to do and you're solving it in this way. Yeah. Um, and again it's not to reinvent the wheel, it's to it's to express express, you know, and it's not like an off the shelf kind of implementation, but it's to express intent to another developer. Yeah. About what you were trying to do. I think a lot of these things you know, even if you don't end up using them, they're good just to learn and just to oh, absolutely any any language, cons. anything is. I mean, uh, uh, one question I might ask is, what do you mm. want to learn next year? What what is your goal for next year? What what would you like to say? Yeah, the next year you've kind of achieved. Next year, okay, <laughs> that's a really good question because I have to really concentrate on my uni work. Yep. So you know, well, it could yeah. be uni based. I mean, this is the thing. Are, are you going to be yeah. doing your? Uh, dissertation next year yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna be doing my project that'd be uh, awesome uh, now that's gonna be fun that is gonna be an in-depth kind of that is actually a well, product you, you'll be creating a product out of that really yeah. well this is the thing i i really kind of want to take everything i've learned and I forget and it and forget things. it and, forget and never it, yeah. and never use it in that practice and that's uni everyone no joking <laughs> <laughs> but at the moment my kind of thinking is i want to do something with concurrency because that's really cool and I also want to do something with um, maybe something to do with like pathfinding algorithms and take those two things and do something. Um, I'm not sure what yet, to be honest with you. I need to have a real sit down, have a good think about it. But um, yeah, something with AI as well. Basically, I'm just going to take everything. everything. And, I thought yeah. the idea of rock, paper, scissors sounded pretty awesome. Well, that yeah, that's in my mind, actually. I, I understand I really did like, like the probability idea. of being able mm. to say, you know, yeah, that'd be really, really cool. So, um, yeah, we'll see. But as soon as I know, I will tell you. That'll be interesting. Look forward to, we can yeah. see the progression on the podcast of how you do yeah. it throughout the year. That's it. But how about you? Cool. What's on your uh, um, list? On my, li- my bucket list next year is probably learning a lift style like Clojure. Um, really? People at work are doing it, and it's cool, and it's awesome, and it's really interesting. And, yeah, I, I really want to learn a lift dialect and use it. Um, even in my own time, just be able to use it. Um, yeah. also it, combined with that that's more of a geeky thing i want to do an architectural kind of things as well i want to be more i want to learn domain driven design more kind of get more yeah. into that and and 
yeah, uh, more of kind of like the software craftsmanship, craftsmanship, if you can quote, you know, style yeah. things, which would be cool. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, so those two things are really my kind of things I want to get on with and do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's the beautiful thing. Like, you know, with programming, there's always an area you can look into and kind yeah. of, you know, enjoy and stuff like that and pick up a book in and start reading or pick up a podcast and start listening to and stuff like that. So it's yeah. very valuable. Um, it's yeah. like, I don't know actually if I told you this like last week I don't know if I told in the podcast like um, but uh, mm. I've got you know we've obviously got internet in our lovely house now because yeah. that's <laughs> like I moved out this year which has been a crazy year. yeah yeah, yeah. I finally got internet after two months which uh, has been hell for all three of us I'm I'm, I'm living with two with two of my best mates who are um, they're, they're computer guys scoundrels. Like, oh, they're scoundrels right. uh, they're computer yeah. guys like uh, they're scoundrels yeah oh absolutely um, and they're gamers so they're online games so they love their games etc yeah. i get bored of games so easily i try yeah. and enjoy a game but i'm like yeah i just want to program now um, <laughs> and so they haven't been able to do that and now obviously we've got the internet so they've been just playing on their games all the time i've been coding and it's been amazing um but it's a list of, uh, last was it last week or the week before so i built my first computer i've done in like a couple of years so one of my friends wanted a computer built yeah and um T- tell me, so tell me to stop if I've actually already explained this on the pod because I don't know if I have. Like, but I, I so I bought obviously a nice shiny MacBook Pro, uh, you yeah, know, i7, 2.2 gigahertz, you know, quad core processor, 16 gig of RAM, and you know, SSD, 256 gigabyte yeah. SSD. Love it, love it. Retina display, oh, beautiful. Yeah. Only, only an Intel graphics, you know, internal, but. Then I'm uh, specking up for uh, my friend's computer, yeah. And for about a grand, he was I built we I built him like so. He's got a lovely case. It's got a MSI Game Seven. It was a really nice scrap, uh, motherboard. Um, yeah. He's got a 3.6 gigahertz i7 quad core processor. That's 3.7. Wow. Uh, 3.6. Sorry, yeah, gigahertz. Uh, 16 gig of RAM, but he can upgrade that easily to 32 <sighs> if he wants. He's got the best on the market, three hundred pound like graphics card, Nvidia GTX, ridiculous thing that is just insane beast. Yeah. He's got a two. He's got a two hundred fifty six gigabyte SSD, a three terabyte hard drive. You know, just in case he needs it for his games. Wow. Um, yeah, and and it, it's a beautiful machine. And I, it was the first, It was quite funny. So I was ill the night before, very ill. Uh, had this bug Ooh. it's the worst thing is when you're coming back on the train and you've you're feeling rough like yeah. everyone seems to be knocked out by this bug recently yeah and i felt so guilty so you know because i was meant to have done it the week before but i didn't so there i am ill built putting a cpu into a motherboard again and i'm like it's probably the best of ill because i was very distracted because i hate putting cpus in i hate it but they're so easy yeah. now they've yeah. really made it so easy to build computers on your own now but it's so yeah. much fun building a computer and obviously then you load up and you're like, oh, this is an amazing system. But then you load up Windows 7 on it. And I've got a disk <laughs> that's probably patched till last year. And it's got 190 updates. And it takes two, like an hour and a half to download all the <sighs> install of the updates. And you're just like, yeah, this is why I don't use a Windows box. Oh, anymore. man. Yeah. Um, but that's the only way of gaming truly on it. But it does make you think, wow, we get rinsed for Mac. But it's so beautiful. And then I'm like, it's I true. don't care. It's, it's like, I don't care if it's not as powerful. It's beautiful, though. Um and I think I'm going to convince yeah. my dad to get a MacBook Air. So we will see. Oh, awesome. Yeah, my dad's just got one as well. Oh, but he got so he went for the MacBook Pro, similar to what you've got. So 
I, I was just going to say, like, um, so how is it living at home now? Are you are you now like the computer guy living at home? Like, every, your parents are asking you questions about all computer <laughs> stuff now, or you? Um, I've always been that guy, regardless of whether I lived here or not. I just get phone calls. Um, it's not working. I am the IT guy. Why, why have you broken the internet? It's yeah, and the thing is, like, I I'm not I'm not a bad programmer, but when it comes to other things, like. I, I'm useless, like especially anything like hardware. So I get you're a soft guy. Everything. You're not a hard guy. Don't... You don't want to be a hard guy. You're a nice soft guy like me. You know. Oh, thank you. That's <laughs> so <laughs> so wrong. Um, but yeah, yeah. No, it's it's cool. It's all fine. And uh, obviously, we're excited about getting into the new place. But um, and when's that going to happen? Then yeah. is there a date on that? Um, hoping end of February. Oh, so we still got. So, uh, you got Christmas coming up, which is lovely. You know, yeah. Christmas Day tomorrow. Whoa, it's yeah. crazy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's it. So, man, I think we have come up to the hour. Mark, we have actually so come up to the hour, be... and your Skype connection has been perfect on your phone. So, we could be doing this. Has it? Yeah, it's been perfect. Yeah. Haven't had any problems at all. This is a way forward. Way forward. <laughs> way forward. It's using phones. I think. Amazing. I think phones are the way forward. Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear anyway so it's been great talking to you man and yeah. um yeah and uh, listeners um if i don't know if this is coming out before new year or today or christmas day <laughs> or whenever we're gonna do it because we met we, we're trying to kind of have get a couple of podcasts done yeah yeah um i, I really want to do a quiz quiz one i think yeah. a, a new year's quiz that'd be um, good i think we should all get in maybe i don't know whether we all get you know i don't know what your plans are for new year's and stuff but I'm That's sure it's yeah, a bit, yeah. bit hectic. So we we will see. We will see what we can do. We will see. Yeah. Uh, even if it's Sounds over good. Skype, it'll be a good laugh. And yeah, so it's yeah. great talking to you, Mickey. Yeah, and you, man. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Cheers. Bye. You've been listening to Three Devs and a Maybe. You can contact us at contact at three devs and a maybe dot com. Or follow us on Twitter at the number three devs and a maybe.